Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 30. Now, I'm not going to be long-winded here today. I can be. You know, some of you are hoping me that I'm going to get so old that I can't preach long. And I'm going to tell you, that day is never going to happen. The worst thing that can happen is I get so old that I lose my train of thought and I just start rambling. Oh, yeah, what was I saying? And I, I really plan to retire and bless the work of God before that ever happens. Somebody said amen. amen. But I am going to preach just a few minutes but I need your cooperation. And so this little challenge to you goes something like this. Either get it or act like you got it. So turn to your neighbor with a big smile on your face and say, act like you got it. One more time, let's clap our hands and give the God of glory all recognition. He's in this house. Somebody lift your voice. Let's give him praise right now. Hallelujah. We're going to begin reading in verse number 30. Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, he was naked, and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, the Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, Hmm. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow... When he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. I want to talk to us for a few moments this morning about the invisible man. The invisible man. Man, One more time, I know we praise the Lord a bunch here this morning, but could you set your Bible down and let's pray together that the Word of God would give us instruction and direction in this place. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray that the Holy Ghost and the Word of God would prepare a special blessing for all of those that are visiting among us here this morning that this all may seem so odd to them and novel here today, but the God of all glory knows all things. And I pray that you deposit truth into every heart, into every life. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long here this morning, and my, did I appreciate that great singing of that choir. 
just, it, it just, it's just, it's just good. It, it just is. And my wife, you want to know why my wife sings like that? Because she didn't plan, she wasn't planning on living this long. She had open heart surgery when she was 17. She's had giant cell bone tumors. The devil has attacked her. But she sang that song with the joy of the Lord and an unction. You can sing your greatest song in a strange land, somebody. Mm. Good stuff. An amazing story and one that holds so much truth and so much reality. We want to share some of the high points and the notable points of this story this morning. A certain man, we don't know if he was, we don't get a name, we don't get a social security number, we don't get what his occupation was, we don't know what side of town he lived on. All of the biases and the prejudices that so fill our culture are removed from this story. Did he have a family? Did he have children? Probably so. Did he have a business? Was he a faithful man? Probably so. Was he, was he a responsible person? Probably so. Just filling in a few blanks. And he's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is notable because Jericho was the city of the priests. And Jerusalem, of course, is the place of the temple. So he is traveling from the spiritual center of Judaism, and he is traveling to the city of the priest. This is notable because as the story continues to unfold, we see that that absolutely has importance in this story. This road that exists from Jerusalem to Jericho is fraught with dangers. It has a few winds and twists in the roads, and it has some rocky places, some places where there are stone walls, places that was known to be a haunt of, for despots and robbers and thieves and just bad guys. And here this man is taking a journey. I'm going to assume that he it's in broad daylight. I'm not, I'm not thinking that he would travel this road by himself at night, and he is traveling this road. And while on his journey, the Bible said that he fell among thieves. It's a good thing that he didn't fall among murderers. It was bad enough that he fell among thieves, but it fulfills part of the character that Jesus brings forth about the character of the adversary, that he is a, he's a murderer, a thief, and a destroyer. And so he fell among thieves that stripped him of his raiment. He was now naked and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Really, this is a story of the human race. If you could somehow theologically encapsulate 
what happened in our Genesis account of the human race. They became stripped. They had to uh, try to hide themselves with foliage. And they have lost the spirit of God in their life because they have chosen sin instead of God's plan and righteousness. And essentially, they are just half dead. They're only half there. And so this is a bigger story than just the story that's being told in Luke chapter number 10, but it's really a story of the entirety of the human race in their present condition. But the Bible says that this man is there. He is stripped. He is wounded. I do not see him moving. He has been left for dead. And the Bible says in verse number 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. Once again, there is no details other than his religious occupation. A priest comes down this road, no doubt, um, both the priest and the Levite after their religious service in the temple or operating in some, some form of, of occupation in conjunction with the temple are now on their way home. And while they're on their way home, the priest sees this man but doesn't really see him. I mean, he sees him, but he doesn't see him. And the Bible said that when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He did everything he could to avoid any type of contact with this individual that was in dire straits. Now we have a certain Levite is coming down the road. And the Bible says a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Once again, just like the priest, he did everything he could to get as far away as possible on that road from having to um, deal with this individual's condition. But the Bible said that a certain Samaritan, now what's interesting to me is that a Samaritan is traveling this road. It's not completely and entirely out of uh, the sphere of reality for a Samaritan to be traveling the road from the temple to Jericho, the city of the priests. But Samaria had its own region. If you'll remember in John chapter number four, it begins by saying that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And while there and while engaging a woman at the well, there is much that is discovered that helps us to understand. There was actually an animosity that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. Not necessarily on the Samaritans' part, but on the Jews' part, there was a hatred um, of the Samaritans because they reminded them of Assyrian captivity that began at the time of the Gentiles. You may remember Daniel that was able to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, and it was the Assyrians that were the second world power that intermingled with the Jews and produced half-breeds. The city of the half-breeds, the region of the half-breeds was Samaria. In that dialogue that begins in John chapter number four, we understand that 
the Samaritans worshipped at Mount Gerizim. It was a mountain. Um, it was a place where they dedicated to worship. And uh, Jesus, of course, says, you know not what you worship, but the, but the Assyrians injected much of their belief, even in the small fragment of the belief in the Pentateuch or uh, the Ten Commandments that was still part of the residual. The Samaritans still held to that, but they believed in a lot of other idolatry as well. They were not pure in their religious belief. And so a Samaritan is coming down this road and he sees this certain man. This man could have been a Samaritan himself. It doesn't say that he's a Jew. It doesn't say he's a Samaritan. It doesn't say whether he's rich or poor. It doesn't say whether he's uh, an official or a pauper. It doesn't say anything about him. Just the condition of his life. And the Samaritan sees him and had compassion on him. And the Bible said that he went to him and bound up his wounds Pouring in oil and wine. Both oil and wine are types or is a typology of the Spirit of God. It is a typology of the Spirit of God. This guy exercised a, a spiritual practicum. He, he went and ministered to this individual. He went and allowed what was in him to, to, to medicate this individual. He, he bound up his wounds um, with oil and wine, and he set him in his car. He set him on his beast. I don't know if it was a camel. I don't know if it was a donkey. I don't know what it was. But he put this wounded man on there and he walked. He took care of this individual and brought him to an inn. Or he brought him to the local apostolic church. And he said, when he got up the next morning, he said, here is two pence. I want you to take care of him. I want you to nurse him back to spiritual health. I want you to do whatever it takes, whatever the cost. And when I return, I will repay. I will make it right. It's a little bit like the Lord when he comes back. He's going to reward individuals for having gotten out of their comfort zone to help Joe Nobody. Well, why don't we just all clap our hands and give God the praise for an opportunity to make a difference. What's of great interest to us this morning and the focal point of my comments here today is the fact that the religious people had almost become blinded to human need. I don't think it's any small thing that the Lord used the example of a priest and used the example of a Levite. They were both widely recognized from among God's people to be, to be workers in the plan of God, even in the Old Testament scope of things. 
But yet, Jesus wants it to be known that there can become a level of blindness among the religious. Where people can become invisible. There is a condition in our world today that is known as willful blindness. Actually, has a definition that means a conscience avoidance of the truth. One man said it this way. He said, the eyes only see what the mind is prepared to comprehend, which means when an individual begins to look at things or look at a situation, he can already rest upon predetermined biases and prejudices and choices that have already been made to either not get involved or to not show any kind of a care. I would like to announce, not just to this audience today, but to the spirit world, that this is a city that is on a hill that cannot be hid. If there's one place in this world where the downtrodden, This world may try to abort you, but when you come to the house of God, they say you are valuable and you are irreplaceable. You're in a world today that says just go ahead and be homeless, but Jesus said I go to prepare a place for you. You're living in a world today that says just go ahead and check out and go ahead and OD, but I'm telling you in the church of the living God, you have value, you have importance, you are worth something. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on, make some noise here today and let the devil know that we believe it. This is a beautiful illustration of how such incredible human need can create something in somebody's life. Jesus said it best when he said, anoint thy eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. I thank God for this beautiful pews and I thank God for this carpet and I thank God for the dynamics of this incredible atmosphere that I feel, feel here today. But I want to tell you, these pews are made for homeless people. These pews are made for transgender people. These pews are made for rich people. These pews are made, oh yes they are, by the authority of the name of Jesus. We are here to take them out of the clutches of the devil and set them on a rock to stay. Oh, I would that you would clap your hands and come to church today and say, I'm going to make a noise here today in the face of every lion devil, in the face of every spirit that we The invisible man. It just takes a lot of effort, Pastor. It just takes too much time. It just takes too much resource. 
I want to tell you that God has blessed us not to become inclusive and exclusive. God has blessed us to be a city of refuge. I hope you can see it on live stream. They're all welcome here. You don't have to wear a suit. You just have your body covered with something. Whether it's blue jeans and a t-shirt, you are welcome in court. My God, I feel to preach to somebody. Somebody lift your voice right now. I don't know about you, but I don't even have a right to be here. But God reached into culture and pulled me out of the pit and set me on a rock to stay. The thing that fuels me, one of the elements that empowers me, is when I remember where I was before I came in the church. The most despicable thing that could ever happen to Brother Rick Mayo is to forget the pit in which I was dug. I've got shiny shoes. I've got a beautiful suit. I'm not wearing it for you. I'm wearing it because it's the best I can to, to show where I came from and what God can do with somebody. But I'm here to tell you it's time to have revival among the hedges, among the bridges. Come on, somebody, clap your hands. I need to hit outreach. I need to hit an apartment complex. I need to hit a neighborhood. I need to see somebody. I need to do something. There is nobody in this world that is worthless. This world has become such of a demonic playground that the devil will have you judge people by how many followers they don't have on Instagram. The cool ones have a lot of followers, and the nobodies are taking selfies and no followers. Our world will, will reveal to you that if you're not wearing the right kind of tennis shoes, you can't hang out. Our world will try to tell you that if you're not driving the right kind of car, Listen, this church is right next to Tesla. We need to go in there and start offering those guys a Bible study. I'm looking for Elon Musk. I'm going to say you might try to get people to Mars, but the church of the living God is going to get you to glory. This is for everybody. This is for Elon. This is for Johnny Depp. This is for everybody. Oh, I would that somebody in the back that says, oh, man, I'm on fire over this. I want to see everybody in here. I want to see the homeless. I want to see the alcoholic. I want to see the lawyers. I want to see the doctors. I want to see everybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. You want a blessing? This is how you get blessed. Go out and start working with somebody. 
Go out and start working with somebody that nobody else wants to work with. Because I'm going to tell you the key to revival. If we'll work with the people that nobody wants, God will send the people to us that everybody wants. Well, I don't want to go to that kind of church. I heard the story one time of a, a young couple that was well off that the pastor started picking up an alcoholic, stunk, probably belched under his breath, sitting in the back row, nodded off through half the service. And one ser- one, after one service, this young couple came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I understand old um, guy in the back there, you're picking him up. Yep, that's right. Well, we really don't want to, you know, raise our kids in a church like that. We want a church, you know, that had, you know, mobile people, upper middle class people going somewhere and a young couple that was clean and going somewhere just like we are. And the pastor looked at them and said, I'm really sorry, but, uh, but he stays. And that couple finally said, well, either he goes or we go. And the pastor was having a really hard time with that because they were small and they didn't have any money. And he realized these are tithe payers. But, but he said, you know what? I hate it. And I, I'm sorry to see these people go. But bless your heart, I'm going to stand on principle. The alcoholic stays. And would you believe that after that couple finally went out and found another church that that alcoholic prayed through and got his act together and started looking like us and started worshiping like us and started praising God like us? He became the greatest figure in prison ministry in the apostolic world. I introduced Brother Charles Mahaney because somebody said, I'm going to work with the invisible man. Could you stand and lift your voice like a trumpet and give God the praise? Come on, let these rafters roar. That's what we want. You may be seated. We are here to defy every prejudice, every bias of our world and give every single human being an opportunity. Where's Brother Porter? Would you lift your hand? I love this man right here. Got a burden for Brother Philip. Is he here today, Brother Philip? Are you here? Well, I got a message for you in the spirit, Brother Philip. Wherever you may go, you may take that little scooter of yours and try to get to Colorado, but you ain't never going to forget the love of God. You ain't never going to forget the presence of God. You cannot predict the future. Just do your part. Just love them while you can. Just set them on your own beast and take them to the church. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to breathe. You are valuable. You're worth somebody. He died for you. He shed blood for you. He poured out his spirit for you. Somebody! I love this kind of preaching. Not just because I'm preaching it. This is my kind of preaching. God sent me to Spokane, Washington to not just reach for doctors. I'd love to have a doctor in this church. 
when I ask the question, is there a doctor in the house, I'd like to be able to say yes. You know what's in this house? You've seen those people running, some of you that are visiting with us, you've seen those people running around, jumping up and down. They ain't doing that to put on a show for you. Some of these people were pulled out of darkness on their way to hell. Some of these guys were safe from alcoholism. Some of these people were brought out of drug addiction. Some of these marriages were put back together by the power of an almighty God. Some of these lives have been pulled out of the pit. This is not a show for humanity. This is a demonstration unto the almighty God. Somebody shout. Somebody praise him. Somebody give God glory. Somebody remember where you came from. I heard the story one time, and I've told the story, but it fits so good right here. Oh, Brother Wokey back there. Can you hear me? We got a whole crew back there somewhere that wears cotton balls in their ears. I just want to make sure y'all can hear me back there. You know, I'm about to say something good. Man, I sure miss Brother and Sister Stone. I love those people. But Brother Stone had a guy living right by him. His name was Jeff. Remember him? Uh, he was telling me some of the theological debates he used to get into with, with Jeff. I have no idea where he's at. I hope he's still around. But I heard the story of a man that lived just a couple houses down from the mayor. He lived in a cul-de-sac. And uh, one day they were out cutting grass. And the mayor yelled over to him and said, Hey, I'm coming to your church on Sunday. The guy cutting the grass, okay, great. As soon as he got inside, he called the pastor. He said, Pastor, we got a, I think we got a problem. The mayor's come to church on Sunday. And the pastor said, I don't see a problem with that. And the man said, you know, since, since the mayor's coming, could, could we kind of tone the service down a little bit? Could, could old Brother Joe, the ex-alcoholic, not, not take a lap and scream with a war hoop? And could Sister Susie not whip her hair around and fling her bobby pins like 50 caliber bullets bouncing off the walls? And, you know, the mayor's coming to church. And the pastor said, you know, just let's just see what happens. We're not, we're not going to change anything. Let's just see what God will do. Well, the time came, and they came in the back door. They sit sat in the back of the church, and sure enough, the worship started, the music started, the praises went up, and here comes Brother Joe, the old ex-alcoholic, taking a lap and letting out a war hoop to echo off the walls. And then Sister Susie's bouncing off the walls, whipping her hair like a whip and flinging bobby pins everywhere. And the man, the man that brought the mayor said, oh, no. And he put his, got down on his knees and just, just buried his face in the pew and let the mayor fend for himself. When he finally looked up, 
the mayor had his hands in the air with somebody's hand on his head. He was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. God's got it for the mayor, and God's got it for you. God's got it for everybody. Well, I've just done so many horrible things. That's why he hung on a tree. And you just don't know where I'm at. God knows all things. And I just don't know if I can forgive myself. God is able to forgive you and set you on a rock to stay. The invisible, the invisible man. Sometimes we need an adjustment so we can see everybody clearly. To people that are bound with fear here this morning. You think everybody's afraid. You know, to the pure, all things are pure. But that also works on the other end of the spectrum. To the liar, everybody's a liar. To a cheat, everybody's a cheat. To the insincere, everybody's insincere. There was a man in Mark chapter number 8. Jesus gave us this illustration for this very point here this morning. Jesus said, I cannot heal this man where he is. Because he is surrounded with skepticism and people that do not believe this. There were some cities where it said that he could do no mighty works because they were filled with unbelief. They just thought this is just Joseph's son. And so Jesus, come here. Go ahead and close your eyes. He led this man by the hand. How long have you been in this church? A year. You know he's already cooking for everybody? I came out there last week. He's cooking food for everybody. You can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you for that. Jesus led this man out of town, touched him one time. He said, open your eyes. What do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. He was still bound by intimidation. He still was bound by biases that people that drive Mercedes-Benz are somehow favored above us. I'm going to tell you, there ain't nobody favored above you. If you're a child of God, you're in a totally different value system. You're in a totally different kingdom. You could walk in in tennis shoes and blue jeans and the God of heaven walk in with you with an ambassage of angels and have power with God. He said, what do you see? I see men as trees walking. He was not whole. And it affected his perception of how he viewed other people. How many people under the sound of my voice? Maybe you're just working for minimum wage and you're doing the best you can. You're supporting a family. You think, man, I don't know if I can go to... Don't let this... Don't let this suit fool you. 
dude, when I walked into church like this, that, that beautiful girl over there that was singing this morning, she remembered the very first day I went to that apostolic church. Don't wait. Don't let this lie, this, this tie fool you. Don't let this dress shirt fool you. You take away the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ, and I became just like any other man in need of a God and in need of a Savior and in need of help and in need of healing and need of direction. You're in the house today, and instead of looking at people, we ought to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith that knows the way you take. He knows where you're at and he's here to make you whole. Clap your hands and give him praise. There's people all over this audience that you look at them today and you think, man, this is a well-off church. Honey, I'm telling you, God is getting the glory over an ex-drug addict that is now wearing a tie. And God is now getting the glory over an alcoholic that's now driving a car. And God is now getting the glory. Somebody in the back, lift your voice like a trumpet and give him the praise. This is an anniversary service. Doesn't the pastor know that we're just supposed to have a little patty cake with Jesus and go home? No. That's why a lot of people will never have revival. I'm not here for me. I'm here for people that are here for the first time that never felt the glory and the power of an almighty creator. I'm here today for somebody that came because there was a door hanger on your apartment that is saying, I don't know what Pentecost is. I'm going to tell you what it is, the power and the glory of an almighty God. That's why this pastor will never take it easy and have just a little Pentecostal service that keeps our flesh happy. And there's people that walk out of here empty, bewildered, and hurting. The man required a second touch in order to see everybody else clearly. I'm okay, you're okay. I got problems, you got problems. I need to repent, and you need to repent. A little more, but you need to repent. I need to speak another tongue, and you'll speak another tongue. If you listen to this world, you're going to look at everybody just exactly how the media and the voices in this world has shaped your mentality to look at God's creation. The gays are saying I was born wrong. The transgenders are saying, or the, tra- the gays are saying I was born this way. And the transgenders are saying I was born wrong. God's got your answer. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit, saith the Lord. When you are born again, you become what God created you to be. You become how God sees you to be. Oh, man. 
some of you that he called out of darkness. Let's clap our hands and give God some praise. Some of you that he found on the backside of nowhere. Let's lift up our voice and create an atmosphere for the lost and the hurting of our world. Some of you that he called out of nothing and nowhere. Lift your voice like a trumpet. It takes a second touch to be able to see all things clearly. This is why some people backslide because they're only operating on that one touch. Let me encourage you. God's got a hundred other touches. God's got a thousand other touches. God's got every day of your life. The mercies are new every morning and the Holy Ghost will meet you on the floor as you cry out to your God. God's got revelation and understanding for you every time you call on his name. That second touch will help us see all people clearly. All across this building, let's lift our hands and just let's talk to Jesus right now. I'm almost done. God's got that for you today, sir. God's got that embrace for you. Ma'am, you've been rejected by every man in your life. But there's a, there's a God in this house that will never reject you. He will never cast you away. Wow. Wow. There was a rich man that was putting on a wedding. He said, go out and get some people to come to this wedding. They probably went to their neighbors, co-workers, and people they were familiar with. One guy was a real estate agent, had to go buy some more land, look at the land he had already acquired. Another person was a farmer that had to Another person said, I got to go bury a family member. He said, he went to the lowest illustration. You go to the highways and the hedges. Hedges. Brother Philip, wherever you are, I love you. But you know where Brother Philip was living? When some of these good brothers in this church brought him, he was living in the bushes. He said, you go to the hedges and the byways. You go where nobody else will go. You, 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 you go down and get people on, on West Sprague. And you, you, you go and get anybody. And fill this marriage ceremony. The invisible man. They're all around us. Isn't it amazing? Once somebody on the job finds out that you get a cornerstone, it's like, 
Yeah, my grandma took me to an apostolic church. Why didn't you say something? No, why didn't you say something? Isn't it amazing? You get to talking to the boss and talking to some people at work and say, yeah, I go to an apostolic. Apostolic. Man, I lived next door to some people that talked in tongues. I heard them pray out my window all the time in the house next door. Why didn't you say something earlier? We get so familiar that people become invisible to us. One more time, let's lift our hands and say, Oh God, anoint my eyes with eye salve that I may see true and genuine need and not the piece of cardboard and not the facade and not the phony personality. The book of Acts has our answer. Acts chapter number three. It's right after the day of Pentecost. 120 filled with the Holy Ghost in the upper room at least. Probably way more than that. The Bible did tell us there were 3,000 that were baptized. But the day after the day of Pentecost, at the time of the evening sacrifice, three o'clock in the afternoon, it's now time to go to the temple to pray. And so Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray after being filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that there are several places that became rallying points for the wounded and the crippled, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind, and the destitute. One of them was at the place of Bethesda, the place of five porches, where in John chapter 5, it was filled with people, and Jesus had one guy get healed to be an example to everybody else. The other places were at the gates into the temple, and here in Acts 3, it's called the gate beautiful. It was called beautiful because it was made of Corinthian brass. It looked luxurious against the used stone pathways that filled Jerusalem. And daily there was a man that was laid at the gate beautiful that was lame from his mother's womb. He had been in that condition every single day of his life. And there were some people that took the responsibility to move him from his dwelling place to take him to his place of occupation, which was to beg. What better place, what better posture, what better position so that that lone tinkling cup could be joined with other precious coins or a jewel or something of value that would sustain this man for another hour, day, week, and a month. But he was laid there daily, no doubt probably from relatives that brought him every single day and laid him there to beg. 
And today would have been just like any other day because he had become an invisible man to those that walked into the temple and had their time of prayer and walked out the temple, that single, lone, little tinkling cup and that hoarse, raspy little voice now that having asked, begging alms all day was now just a whisper. Except now somebody was filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And you see, that's what the answer is, my brother and my sister, is because when you come out of a Holy Ghost time, it's just a clerk at, 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 at Circle at AMPM and, and at Circle K. It's not just a server at your table at the restaurant, but it's an opportunity for God to reach out to another human. Oh, somebody, somebody help me. They're no longer invisible. They now have a name. They now have a face. They now have a need. They now have a condition. They now have a want. They now need God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And so Peter, being filled with the Holy Ghost, he probably walked by this man day in, and day out for years. His shadow had probably graced this man, if not him, many others that lined the cobblestone path to the temple. But this time, something was different. Somebody had their eyes adjusted. Somebody wasn't looking at the haggard form of, be, of being crippled, but they were looking at somebody that was made in the image of the Almighty God. That a fallen world had now contorted and twisted and warped. Look on me. Look in my eyes. Silver and gold have I none. And that's the difference between a welfare program and a church that has the power. Because people think they have a need and they don't even know their need. Only somebody that has their eyes adjusted knows the real need. He was looking for a coin. He was looking for something precious of value to sustain him for another day. And Peter said, look on us. Take me by the hand. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Come on, it's time to pray. You can't give what you ain't got. Such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And the Bible said he pulled him up. Come on, brother. Leap all the way across it. And he started walking and leaping. And for the first time in his life, he went into the temple. For the very first time, the priests are like, the Levites and the priests are like, what's he doing in here? Isn't that the guy that's been out there all his life? What's he doing running the aisles? What's he doing in the altar? What's he doing getting baptized? What's he doing getting the... Somebody stand and give God the praise. 
It was condemning the religious system of the priests and the Levites that said, who did this? What is this all about? Just remain standing. Let's lift our hands and thank God that our eyes have been adjusted. Come on, let's sit there. Let's pray. You can't give what you ain't got. But if we'll get filled with the Holy Ghost, I wonder how many people working in. Brother Travis, I wonder how many waitresses across this city we're gonna get, are going to get a good witness here this afternoon. I wonder how many people working in fast food that we, we could fill these pews with. I wonder how many people walking the streets of this city that we could get on these pews. Somebody! Everybody's invisible until we're filled with the Holy Ghost. I wonder. I know. It's our 20th anniversary. Man, let's wrap this thing up and go eat. Not so fast. Not so fast. There's people here that need the power of God in their life to do something, to perform something so that they can. This man that was healed at the gate, beautiful. This is the first time, elder, he had ever seen the inside of that temple. He was forbidden for going into that temple because of his condition of being hauled and maimed. But it was the first time he was running the aisles and the, and the priests and the Levites are looking at each other. What's he doing in here? No, my question is, what are you doing in here? <laughs> I'd like to make an altar call right now. In our 28th anniversary, by the time we get to the 29th anniversary, I wonder how many people could be added to this church if we could get our eyes adjusted that you have nothing to be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by their car, whether it's a Mercedes or a jalopy. Maybe they're just walking. Maybe they got a huge plastic bag that's got their sleeping bag in it. And maybe, maybe they, I, I'll tell you what shocked uh, Brother Philip is when I said, why don't you go over and take a shower in my office? He's like, go ahead, I got towels over there. You ain't going to have revival while everybody's invisible. But the clean and the righteous. And when I got close enough to Brother Philip that I could get a whiff of him, and I'm probably glad he's not here this morning to hear this, I told him, I said, anytime you need a shower, I got a shower over in that office over there. You know why one, you know why? I said that it wasn't just for Philip's sake. I wanted the angels to know they're welcome here at Cornerstone. Those kind of people are welcome in this church. These kind of people are welcome on these pews. These kind of people are welcome on this carpet. These kind of people are welcome in this building. These kind of people are welcome in the kingdom of God. These kind of people are the ones he died for. These kind of people are recipients of the Holy Ghost.
I'd like everybody that's in this building to make your way up to this gigantic altar. Just pick a spot and just stand there, if you would, please. We're all going to pray together. I introduce to you the invisible man. So thankful for 28 years of being invited to be a part of this incredible journey. I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God's people. I'm also delighted that all of our visitors are here today that can be with us in this special service here today. What incredible faces around this altar. Faces that Jesus knew long before you knew him. Faces that Jesus saw long before you ever darkened an apostolic church. Could we lift our hands in this altar and pray together? Father, by the authority, would you lift your voice? Cornerstone Church, let's lift our voice. Let's create this atmosphere. People that have never been in an altar before. They've never probably even sat on a pew before. Let's lift our voice like a trumpet. Jesus, to those that you brought out of the familiar, give them their second touch so they can see all men clearly. Let's lift our hands and our voices all over. And let's pray. <laughs>